Hey, this is Triple M's homegrown right around the country, 52 stations and on the brand new listener app. This is an absolute treat as I welcome one of the biggest bands in the world out of Byron Bay. I've been saying it for years. You only need to watch their film, Viva the Underdogs, which you can now on Netflix in the resume. It just speaks for themselves. More than a decade. Aria winning, topping the charts here and overseas. Gold, platinum. They've done it all. Live albums too. They've even released a book. I'm talking about... Parkway Drive, one of the best live bands you'll ever see. Tracks like Devil's Calling the Void and they're back. Number one album. Darker Still, no surprise. Joining me from Byron Bay is frontman Winston. How are you, dude? I'm good. That's literally the biggest wind-up of an intro we've ever had. <laughs> well, man, <laughs> Holy crap. more than deserving, man. How's it going? It's lovely to chat and, and speak to you. You've just got back from touring, man. Yeah, yeah, doing good. Still kind of in, I think I'm in week two of decompression after tour, but considering it's our first tour back after COVID, yeah. I think there's a bit to decompress from. Yeah, man, it, it's this weird thing kind of stopping, isn't it, when you're kind of used to yeah. like every second of the day being organized. How, how do you kind of switch off? Um, <laughs> literally just, just sit at home and play video games. <laughs> yeah. It's trying yeah. to figure out like, it's, it's just trying to figure out something where you're not in the schedule of band life. Um, when you're on the road, it's very, I mean, it's for, for all of the, the fact that you've got a lot of what seems like free time when you're not on stage. Yeah. Um, you fall into a fair bit of a, like a routine, which I definitely noticed on that tour, which oh, is a really cool. good thing. Like it's just wake up, get coffee check out the venue, cool. make sure all the production's together, do all that kind of stuff. And then at the end of the day, you're like, where did all the time go? And then you yeah. get home and you're like, I've got none of those, those things now. Well, man, I, <laughs> I, found, I found this grab from you that I, I really, really like. The ocean for me is the definition of freedom. It's that place where you can go and wash everything away and be forced to focus on nothing but the pulse it's coming i love that man you're talking about surfing because it is like it's the mm-hmm. polar opposite isn't it yeah 100 percent. yeah and it and it definitely is like uh that's a that's a pretty grounding thing like just mm. being in the ocean and being like literally submerged yeah like submerged in something so foreign um so yeah unfortunately the waves have been bad since i've been home <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been, like i've been in the ocean a couple of times but generally that is it's like the first place i end up and man, it, it is good to have something like that that is the, the complete opposite of music. So you really can kind of switch yeah. off. I feel like a lot yeah. of musos don't kind of have those hobbies sometimes. And like, I think it's important to do something completely different. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing because art in, in itself is massively consuming. Like yeah. it's, it's, a, it's very, you're very dedicated to it and it's part of your, like it's literally part of your being. Mm. Um, but it but it is very important to step away, not only to like get perspective of what you're creating, but to be healthy and to be able to like to to have a proper proper perspective on what life actually is because you can find yourself going down this wormhole where you can't differentiate between the art and the actual person that you are. Yeah. <laughs> and that can be a very a very uh, interesting spiral to send yourself down. So for me, yeah, being able to have that very blatant like you're mm. in the ocean now. Yeah. Survival time um, is, is a, a big thing for me. Absolutely, man. Well, I want to paint the picture of what you guys are like overseas. I'm just going to play a snippet of uh, your trailer, which uh, obviously it's visual as well, but I think the audio really kind of paints it well. <laughs> These are the biggest festivals in the world. ACDC, Pantera, Korn, Aerosmith, Slipknot, System of a Down, Metallica. Like, it's fucking wild. If Rocky's dead, somebody ain't looking. 
there's this ongoing conversation that's becoming kind of more and more vital at the moment about who the next headliners are going to be. Hockey Drive is a bunch of surf rats that somehow became one of the biggest metal bands on the planet. <laughs> and they're all basically, you know, like barefoot and board shorts. Like hardcore. Parkway were like a drug and everybody wanted it. Dude, I think, you know, it's, it's weird, like, kind of hearing that back. But, dude, you watch footage of you guys overseas. It is incredible, man. Like, what's it like kind of going from Byron Bay, like a, a very relaxed lifestyle, and doing these intense festivals on the other side of the world? It's really strange. Yeah. Um, the, really, the strange part is that up until COVID, it had been this 17-year time warp mm. where we got to a point where, like, the last, the last tour that we did, like proper full tour, was what you see on Viva the Underdogs, which culminated in literally the biggest shows we've ever played. Yeah. And I remember at that point in time going, this is nuts. Yeah. But you have a, you have a lead up into it, so it's contextualized within all of these steps that yeah. come up to it. Yeah. But looking back, like that movie came out and COVID hit and I didn't play a gig for a year. So yeah. all of my memory of it was in a completely, like it kind of bled out of me, all of the muscle memory. Yeah. And then I went back and watched it when it, when it came out on Netflix and I was looking at it and I was like, that's what we were doing. Yeah. Like that is insane. So yeah. it gave me a whole nother like, wow, this is, this is something really like intense in, in terms of just the volume of people and the reaction and everything. And then again, like this, this was the first tour First tour we had back was the one we just finished, and it was in Europe. And we we haven't played in three years. We had no idea what to expect. Yeah. And standing on the stage in front of like tens of thousands of humans <laughs> every yeah. night, just going, "Holy hell, was yeah. it always like this?" Like yeah. a completely new perspective, but very intense. I'm just going to say it's 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 really intense. It's amazing, but um, it's uh, it's very hard to even describe what what that feeling is like. It's it's like electricity. It's yeah, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> you're right. You're so weird. It, you're so right. I'd never thought of it like that. You kind of you're picking up where you left off, but it's not like, and you don't have to start again. You know what I mean? Like so yeah, much time yep. off. Like you don't have to do the grind anymore. You'd earned it, even though you felt like it must have been such a long time ago. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. And the strange thing is that you, you don't. You, it's very rare that you'd ever get a break like that just because of yes. the nature of surviving in the, in the music industry. You mm. have to stay touring. Like yeah. that is where you, your income comes from. Yeah. So to be, to have a forced break of three years, three years is almost like two record cycles of yeah. touring. Yeah. So to, to have that amount of time off from that feeling and then come back to it with no idea what to expect um, was pretty crazy. And like it, it really, like we had sold so many tickets to this Europe tour, but even then we had people say, expect at least 50% no-show because post-COVID, you just no can't way. expect anyone to actually turn up. Wow. And um, we were like, all right, we're in these big arenas, but you can expect it to be half empty. But either way, it's going to be awesome fun. We're here, we're back. This is amazing. Yeah. And then we rock up and it was like, it was better better oh. numbers turning out than um, than pre-COVID. So Whoa. Like, Holy crap. Yeah. All right. This is this is somewhere where we didn't expect to be, but awesome way to start back, <laughs> dude. And it must have been like strange from the get go. Like I was I was following you guys around and, and follow you on social media. Like even like rehearsals in Berlin. You know yeah. what I mean? Like something. Yeah. It's not like you're going to the jam house down the road no. and you, you know plugging in the freaking amps. It's like okay, yeah. we're doing a stage show rehearsal in Berlin, and then yeah. and then I saw you guys were doing a press conference in Berlin. Like it must just feel so strange sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's. I mean, it's all been strange, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all been strange. Like, there's no, there's no time when you ever don't 
like we remember our first gig like it was yesterday yeah. and, and you still and you're still like how the hell did it get to this but the mm. weirdest part of it is literally like you you rock up at rehearsals and you the the band is five five guys mm. we we're friends in Byron. We see each other around. We hang out. We still have this connection. Yeah. And then you rock up at rehearsal and you're like, so there's three buses and there's five semi-trailers <laughs> and you've got five days of, of, of oh, my God. rehearsals, which is literally like, it's a full, it's an, it's a crazy production. Like there's five departments, which like I, I'm the one who primarily is designing this show. So I'm yeah. going between five different production, like production houses through the visuals, through the string section, through the costuming, through yeah. the stage design, all of that, all in the space of five days, just trying to tell them what my imagination's come up with. And then five guys from Byron walk out into 50 people. <laughs> I'm like, now we're just going to play some songs. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's bizarre in every sense of the word. Well, dude, I love how you said, like, you take the role of looking after the stage and stuff, and you guys have specific roles. Like, I'm just going to play a quick grab yeah. now. We didn't outsource anything. If there was a job to be done, we learned how to do that job. Like, someone in the band took on that role. You need a manager? Luke learns how to manage. We want to make a movie. Ben learns how to edit movies. You need a producer. Jeff learns how to do production. You need someone to do interview and like stagecraft. I'll learn how to do that one. There you go. I mean, and you know, you really, I, I think there's a beauty in that where you can kind of just go straight to not run through a lot of hurdles. And these stage shows that you're designing, the pyrotechnics, man, it's like one wrong move and you're, you're on fire, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess you've got no one else to blame, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, we're, we're, we're well versed in it. That's the thing. I think the thing with all of it is it's, I mean, again, it comes back to survival. Like, we couldn't do what we do if we were, like, what essentially all these roles that we took on. Yeah. We'd be showing out hundreds of thousands of dollars to other, pe- other people. And you exactly. If you, if you did that. So we just were like, no, we're going to do it ourselves. And luckily, we're... We're pretty damn good in all of those roles these yeah, days. And yeah. We have not had any onstage mishaps with anyone getting exploded and we're, yeah. we know how to like we know what to create and how to do it safely. But mm. safety is the number one thing like this the, the it's it's very interesting to create a scene on stage where yeah. the audience looks at it and goes how the hell are they even alive right now? Yeah. But on stage, you know exactly what's going on and you yes. feel completely safe. <laughs> yeah. I've got to, um, it, it must feel uh, quite satisfying as well to kind of watch it all come together. And I mean, like, it seems like when you get to the level that you guys are at, it's so important to have, you know, an entertaining stage show. It becomes more than the music, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, for, for us, it is. And it's, it's it, essentially, it's an extension. Like it's an extension mm. of what the music is because, when you're when you're creating music in general, like yep. it comes from more than just going. I like the sound of something. Yeah, like it's an yeah. it's an evocative thing. You're tapping into something inside of you, which is being being pulled from a, a reference, which isn't necessarily just sonic. It's the way you feel. It's yeah. something that has another sense is like has put into your brain to try and be like encapsulated within the music. Yeah. So when you're on stage, you you want to be able to work with more senses than just audio. Like it's yeah. fine to rock up at a gig and go, sweet, I like the way this sounds. But that that's to deny the fact that every other sense is in play. When you walk into uh, to watch a, a live gig, it's very different from just going play yeah. on your stereo. Whoop. Because like you're feeling everything. You're, you're smelling it. You're, you, your arm hair yeah. is like it changes the way yeah. that, you can, you, that your music translates. So that's, that's what it is for us. And what, the music we create is quite, cinematic so you want to create a very specific context in terms of mm. the sounds you're going to put out did that always come naturally to you do you feel like you always had an eye for that like when you kind of heard a song you're like this is how i imagine 
this stage show could be like one day? Like, is it something that you're, it's like constantly evolving? It's, it's definitely been an evolution because yeah. originally it's, it's changed with the scope of the music and with the yes. emotional depth of the music. That's mm. the thing. Like the, the emotional depth used to be adrenaline. Yeah. <laughs> adrenaline yep. and angst and that's it. And like we're, we're 20 years in now. Like I just turned 40. My, my emotional depth is quite <laughs> a, a lot. Like there's a lot more variation there as you could probably tell from everything we've done. Yeah. So what you want to create, you, you just, you, you realize I guess the bigger the stage, the more potential you have. Absolutely. Or the smaller the stage, the more like the different the frame is for what you can actually create and what you want to create. So you're working yeah. between like the scales of intimacy and complete cinematography. Yeah, absolutely love that, man. Well, let's let's talk darker still. Absolutely love this track, man. I'm just going to play an excerpt from you uh, describing this song, and I'd be keen to get your thoughts after the release. This is when we expect the proverbial shit to hit the fan <laughs> in terms of what people expect <laughs> from us as a band. Surprise! Parkway have written a ballad. <laughs> <laughs> so how's the response been, man, like, like post-release? <laughs> really, really good. Yeah, cool. Really, really good. It was, it's, uh, it's, this this was the big the, the like the song which we were like this is as far away from I'm going to say the roots <laughs> yeah um, the the branches of Parkway have grown kind of thing but um, it's been really nice for people to to be able to understand it mm. and connect with it and being able to play it live is it's one of those things it's one of those moments where you do really get to um, it's it's the it's the elasticity of what um, music is like you work yeah. from like from white to black in terms of like the different shades that you have of emotion yeah. and the different shades of sound. And this one is comp- like, it's so far at the end of one spectrum that it completely changes the way your set feels and what, what the perception of every other song around it is. So being able to play it live every night and have a song that's that slow and that intimate yeah. in, in an arena setting and have a string quartet backing you up and everything like oh, that. Wow. Yeah. Right. Complete different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it just, it, it, it allows you to really, I guess, um, evoke something that we've never been able to do before as a band. And yeah. that allows a lot more depth and nuance to be able to, um, to be, I guess, expected and also yeah. to be accepted from fans watching it. Like, to, rather than us just going, jump, smash each other, crowd surf, yeah. adrenaline, yes, good times. You're like, just sit there and enjoy the music. Yes, enjoy, enjoy the craft that we've tried to create here. It must be nice to have a little bit of a breather too. Yeah, it definitely is. Like it's, it's it, man, I get to rock a tambourine. For like, <laughs> it's, it's 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 awesome. Like it's and and being able to appreciate like the musicianship that goes into it as well. Like Big when time. you're not jumping around and banging your head all the time, yeah. I get to sit back and, and watch my friends play their instruments, which they're incredibly proficient at. Yeah, really well. And there's so much of that song where I do just dance around on stage while someone else is absolutely like perfecting their craft. Yeah, and just yeah. Go, Good on you, man. This is yeah, rad. <laughs> absolutely, man. You kind of like, I imagine playing a song like that, you're really kind of in the moment. Yeah, that's it. 100% in the moment every time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, very nice. It's for, such, for something so, so grand and all-encompassing in the, in the sound, it, I find it to be one of the most intimate band moments that we actually yeah. have on stage, which is, is really, yeah, it's, it's quite nice. I don't think we've ever had anything like that before. Oh, man, it's exciting watching the evolution of the band. It really is. And um, what's... How do you go about keeping your voice in check, man? Like, what, what are you doing to look after that? I'm sure a lot of people ask, but I'm just curious. Like, even working in radio, like, I'm just like, fuck, my voice gets 
sore sometimes. Been, like, you know, yeah. like, how do you look after your voice, man? Uh, you've, you've probably got a harder time than me, to be honest. <laughs> no. um, like, I've, it's two different different voices, the actual screaming side of things and the, the I'm going to say that the aggressive voice yep. That, yep. You, that you hear is different from a talking voice or a singing voice. It's a, it's a different set of, of vocal, um, vocal cords. So for me, like, essentially, I... It, it gets warmed up and then broken in within the first like week or two of rehearsals, mm-hmm. and then I let it, and then I let it simmer down for a little bit, and after that, it's good to go. Um, and I just do my vocal warm ups every day and try cool. not to yell too much. Yeah. The times that I blow it out is literally when I'm sitting down and doing like a two hour press conference. Yeah, or I, bet. yeah. I, I get t- I get too excited during during the actual gig and I start yelling rather than actually yeah. doing the voice, and yeah. that's when it stresses out. So. Yeah, it's it's very strange. Like I'll do I'll do a five hour press day, and my voice will be more screwed than doing yeah. <laughs> <going> a gig. <laughs> That's so interesting, man. And uh, hey, let, let's touch on um, ABC story just quickly. I've got to say, like watching that uh, as a musician and like in, in a band, I just like I found it so incredibly moving and really powerful and really gutsy of you guys to do that. And speaking to a lot of musicians and like you know, I was speaking to people here at work and people were crying watching it, man. Um, when you watched that back, did you watch that back before it was released? No, no. Okay. Well, I actually sat down with my with my family and friends and watched it on Monday night. So yeah. What was it like? To, to, what was it like to watch? Because I mean, you wouldn't have heard your other bandmates do the interviews. I, I assume really like, triggering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, only not 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 in a. I mean, it's triggering because like it's it's difficult. Like essentially, the the, the way that we've been like we've all chatted about it since, mm. and we all have gone through a similar similar thing of watching it back. Like essentially, like it's still like all of the things that we're talking about are still, it's, it's just hard. Like it's been a very difficult mm. period. Um, and essentially like the, it was a really great story and we're so, so stoked to put it out there. Yeah. Um, and watch and watching it was just inju- and essentially enduring while well, I'm really stoked with it, it's enduring a crash course of like 17 years worth of, worth of trauma coming back through again. Yeah. And as a band, we've, we've worked through so much of this stuff since yeah. um, the filming actually took place but like a lot of it is just, it's the stuff that it, it never leaves you. Like mm. it just doesn't, it doesn't leave you. And, and then that's kind of what it is. But what we, what we talked about originally when we started, when we were like approached for this was this could do some good. Like yeah. we can, the whole thing when, when we started going through this moment of crisis in the band was like, how do you want to, how do you want to put this out there to the public? Do mm. you want to cover it up and like, just go, Hey, we're just stepping away. Don't talk to us about what's going on. Or do you want to be honest in the fact that we need help? Because, uh, like, we we chose to be honest about it because I think covering it up is what's wrong with yeah. so much of society in general. Mm. Like, there's, there's this feeling of shame about talking about anything or about taking responsibility or yeah. about vulnerability in general, especially within men. Yeah, And we're like, well, if we can set an example with what we're doing, let's do that. Like, People will make their judgments no matter what. And uh, at the end of the day, like, I think if we can set an example of the fact, like, look, we're all human. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs help at some point in time. Yeah. Look at what we're, we're doing. We're this, we're this massively successful band and we've still got our issues. Yeah. And this is how we're dealing with it. If we can put that out there and, and at least provide some kind of positive pathway through it for people, then at least something's come from it.
Absolutely, man. I think it's inspiring for other bands. I think it's inspiring for, because you know what it's like. It's like, the, you're right, there are unspoken things and those little things chip away after a while. And, and you think about yeah. how many bands break up because they can't talk about it and how much music's yep. been lost. You know what I mean? Like a hundred percent. Like it's, it's, it's just that thing of like, it's communication is hard. Life is like, life is, life is hard. And there's no, it's very, it's very hard to find pathways to navigate and inc- like the complexities of this world yeah. in general. Totally. And, and being in a band is like, it's a, it's a, incredibly isolating experience yeah, yeah. massively isolating for all for all the understanding that people believe they will will have of what we of who we are and what we've gone through essentially it comes down to a handful of of movies which we've created a couple of documentaries and some mm. interviews to sum up 20 years of our existence being in this insane thing and the rest of it is left just up to us to experience and know that no one else is really gonna yeah. ever completely understand what it's like um so, yeah, it's, it's a very strange like life to live being in a band in general. Well, man, I think you've done so much, not only for people in bands, but just like you said, men, men's mental health, you know, because there are friendship groups that are like that. There are work yep. relationships that are like that, oh, you know, the, you know yeah. in, intimate families that are like that too. And, and yep. right, just, just by talking about it, it's just, it's a game changer. Uh, hopefully. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm hoping that it, it's like, we don't expect this to be like, oh, by the way, we've got all the answers. Yes. But it, but it was just simply the thing of like, I don't know. We know there's, there's a lot of people who look up to us or look to us and the, uh, and simply being like showing vulnerability yeah. is such a, it's just a massive thing. It's a massive thing in society because essentially you're, you're opening yourself up to be torn down. And there's a lot of, I mean, yeah, a lot of society is based on tearing someone down to get, to get yourself up. And it's, it's not how community should work. That's Espe- the thing. Especially in Australia, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah especially, especially here and like, you know, growing up and being the larrikin and, you know, playing that's, it. The- that's, how you, that's it. You play, you play the fool to like, to kind of cover it up. Yeah. So, yeah. And when we all know that, like we've all, everyone's done it and it doesn't mean it's, that there's not a place for that, but at the same point in time, like there's, it's like we said in it, there's a, there's a difference in intention. Yeah. And a lot of the time that gets crossed because you don't, you have nowhere to go. Everything just es- like life mm. escalates. It only ever escalates. Oh. It's very hard to de-escalate anything. So especially when you're not actually, you don't have the ability to to speak up about what's going on in your world. Everyone's yeah. world's different. Absolutely inspiring, man. I know so many people that got uh, got stuff out of that. So really, hats off to all you guys, man. Incredibly brave, and I'm so glad that you did it. Um, Cheers. Thanks. Now, I remember talking to you a little bit earlier. You said that you reckon you can remember your first gig, right? Oh yeah. I've actually lined oh, up. Shit. I've actually lined up a bit of a game where this is. Uh, this is called. So this is called uh, the memory lane gig game. All right. So all right. What, I, what I've Send done it. is I've gone through your gig history, right? <laughs> yep. And there are a lot of gigs. There might be the more gigs than I've ever seen on a gig history page. So, <laughs> so what I'm going to do, man, I'm going to pluck out gigs at random. And I'm going to see yes. if you remember them. And if so, can you tell us what you remember them about them, okay? Okay. okay. Now, in 2004, you played The Art House with The Hot Lives, Grand Fatal, and one of my favourite bands. Behind Crimson Eyes. Do you remember The Art House? Do you remember that gig? Yeah. Of course, in Melbourne on uh, Elizabeth Street in the city there? Yeah. Talk, actually do. Talk to me. What do we remember about it? Yeah, the Artie was had a like a corner stage, like it was like rammed into a corner kind of thing. So you always set the drum kit up in the corner. Yeah. I remember playing that um 
that gig and playing like Gallagher, the the video game, <laughs> yeah, 20 yeah. cents, because it was like the only place in Australia where it was only 20 cents. <laughs> yeah, and, I played, yeah, yeah. and I played that for like three band sets while they were playing, like <laughs> right next to the mosh. <laughs> so there's yeah, people yeah, yeah. like falling falling on top of the video game. <laughs> yeah, so right. that's, that's like my heart. The, the biggest thing for me for that show was like, oh yeah. I'm going back to the arty for like the third time and I get to play the game. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Man, yeah. The... Like bringing back all those names though. Oh my God, behind Crimson Eyes. And so, like, yeah. I've like in so long. So yeah. <laughs> Dude, the punk scene was so exciting, I feel, back then, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, it was, it was before the, the entire thing completely exploded. Yeah. So yeah. And it's, I guess when you don't have access to file sharing, you don't have access to Spotify or anything yep. like that. I think even... MySpace was only just kind of taking off. Yeah. It still felt like you didn't have YouTube. Yes. <laughs> no YouTube, so you've got to actually go and watch it live. So, yeah. yeah, it was really exciting. All right, let's go 2007. We're going to Knoxville, Tennessee. You played with Every Time I Die, Dillinger, Escape Plan, and... Kill Switch Engage. You remember that tour? Oh, I remember the tour. I remember the whole thing blurring into one. Yeah. But, yeah, I do remember, like... I remember that entire tour because a kill switch were massive. It was like it was right when they just dropped. I think um, as daylight dies. Yeah. So you're you're on a bill with yeah them our mates and every time I die in Dillinger and every night you get to watch three absolutely mental bands. Yeah. Like completely mental. We played Guitar Hero like pretty much every <laughs> night because we bought an Xbox on tour and after everyone was done we'd play Guitar Hero with all the bands backstage. And he'd watch, everyone would watch Dillinger every night because Greg would like climb the rafters and like throw an amp off the stage or, <laughs> or like break their knees jumping off the cabs or something like that. So yeah, that, that entire tour was absolutely wild. That was like our first, I think like big US tour that we'd done. So, and we got to open every night and most people had no idea who we were. Yeah. <laughs> is, this, uh, is this all band crammed into like a kind of small Tarago or did you have like the kind of the big, to a bus? What was the setup nah, on the nah, road? No, no bus. We were still, so originally for the first few years, we, we had our own van, which we purchased off our friends in the Warriors. Love that. Um, and it was just a, what was it? It was a, a transporter. I think it was a transporter and we put like a bunk bed in the back. Yeah. Um, and we could sleep like eight people. It was like a rolling death trap that constantly <laughs> broke down. Um, no heating. And that tour was in the middle of winter as well. And I can remember walking oh, up like no. in Chicago and sitting back backstage like in the van because we didn't have a dressing room yeah. while the snow started to come down and like we're trying to load in down a slippery like ice up man <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah which, it was not fun but at the same point in time it was really fun absolutely <laughs> man well let's go let's go uh two years later it's a festival called rock and indro in milan now who, who played this we got faith no more we also had the gallows but the headliners were none other Do we remember Rock and Indro Milan? Yeah, yeah, I do. Talk we to were me. talking about this the other day. <laughs> so yeah. it was another one of the ones where, like, um, we had a mild response, I'm saying. Um, yeah. Limp Biscuit were kind of in their not, like, you know how when they had a downswing before they came back again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of in the downswing kind of thing before they even started doing the full-on medley. Okay. And I remember, so the, the sketchiest story ever, I remember a bunch of our drunk friends from Australia coming. Yeah. And there being no um, toilets backstage for anyway. So someone pooed in a bag. Oh. And when Limp Bizkit were playing, they lobbed it into the middle of the mosh pit. No and fucking like, Well, you're not, getting back, you're not getting backstage ever again. <laughs> Bloody Australians, <laughs> so, man. I know, yeah. And that was the thing where we were just like, oh, 
this is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go one year later. The Vans Warped Tour in the States with All American Rejects, Bring Me the Horizon, and. Some 41. They look like hectic tours, those Van Warp tours. Yeah, they they are. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that was the year that Paramore broke as well. Right, yeah, um, it could have been. And, yeah, the Warp tour is insane. Like, it's, 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 it's grueling because you don't know what time you're playing. Mm. Every single day, the, the lineup rotates. So you have to rock up at 9 a.m. every day. And oh. the festival doesn't stop until, like, 10 p.m. Right. So you have to stay around all day in a car park they're always in car parks so it was on black asphalt oh, 35 degree heat no. bake you bake all day sell your own merch and then like at 10 o'clock you pack everything down and you have to be at the venue at 9 a.m the next day so you just there's no time to sleep you Dude. just hop in the car and drive to the next venue and what, what the shows are wild yeah so, what was the state yeah. of the tour van had you upgraded the tour van at this point yeah, I good. think we're in a, at that point in time, we're in a bus with aircon, and the whole thing ah, then is just perfect. getting a bus that has good air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. day that, the days that your air conditioning breaks down, and it inevitably would, um, <laughs> yeah. were, were torturous, oh, absolutely torturous. Oh, but man. the gigs were good. Awesome, man. <laughs> Let's go five years later. Okay, this is a download festival at Castle Donington with Andrew WK, A Day to Remember, Rise Against, and the headliners were... That looks like an incredible venue, Castle Donington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donington's massive. Downloads, downloads enormous. <laughs> yeah. In general, like any time playing there is wild. Like I think you can you can play from anywhere between like twenty to like eighty thousand yeah. people or something like that. Like we've we've played download I think three or four times. Yeah. Um, and the it's what year was that one? That, that was, was news year. yeah, two thousand fifteen. Yeah, so I think I was just. That was just as it was about to come out. So we yeah. played that set. That was like when we just started using production. We just mm. dropped by script. Controversies yeah. abound as in Parkway now sound like, <laughs> sound oh, like yeah. Bon Jovi. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and um, we rocked up at Download pouring with rain. Can't use any production. And uh, we're just like, we're just going to smash this thing anyway. Yeah, cool. And played played by script. Like, <laughs> and it was like the biggest song of the set after a week of it being out. And we're like, sick. Hey, you guys don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> and what that was the one where you're like, internet doesn't count when it comes to opinion. <laughs> and man, what I'm loving about like looking at these like gigs and stuff is watching you guys slowly move up all the bills at uh yeah. you know, like as you go on. Like, God, that must have been so exciting, man. Like all your hard yeah. work's kind of paying off. Yeah, it, it definitely has been. That's 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 the thing. And it's it's because it's gradual, because it's never been Yeah. There's no thing as like all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, by the way, you're the biggest band in the world. Here's twenty billion dollars and also yeah. you're playing yeah. hundred thousand people every night when you were playing in a pub. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 just a gradual thing. Yeah. And it's only when you do get these breaks to stop and look back that you're like, Whoa, we've climbed a long way. Yeah. Literally climbing. Yeah, but that's the way to do it, right? I guess it's like anything. And it's like you look back and you're like, man, I'm so glad we did those years in the van because, like, if we had to skip those steps, it just wouldn't be – we wouldn't be as good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the thing with all of it. Like, if you strip everything back that we do, every yeah. single aspect of what we do, it always just comes down to the connection that we have and the music yeah. that we write. It's just like, do you enjoy writing it? Do you enjoy playing it? We can do it without all the bells and whistles. We're stoked to have the bells and whistles, but you take it all away and we'll still just stand on a stage and it'll, it'll be just as good. Yeah. So, yeah. Hell yeah, man. All right, let's go three years later. You play Download Festival uh, again, and the headliners were the one and only... Welcome to 
Mighty Guns and Roses. Do you remember that? Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. That was the biggest crowd I have ever seen yeah. for Guns and Roses. So we had lined the second stage at Download, which is like a big ask in itself. Yeah. Um, right before them, which was great. Cool. Um, oh man, I didn't know you were right. You were right before them. Yeah, Whoa. right before them. And like the whole thing with that with that lineup as well. We're like, we'll headline the second stage, but just we can't clash with Guns N' Roses. No. And they're like, no, nope, it's sweet. There's going to be a 20 minute gap between you. We're like, right, sweet. Oh. So yeah, that was a re- like that that tour was the launch for Reverence, and the Whoa. set was insane. Cool. Uh, absolutely mental. And then walking off stage and going all right, let's drive back backstage and get set and watch Guns N' Roses. And as we're driving back, looking up the hill, because like Donington is this massive hillside. Yeah. And looking up and there was 120,000 people on the hill. And you're like, oh my God. (laughs) That's that's the the biggest swarm of humans I can see. It was literally an entire hill until it went over the crest of the hill and you just stopped seeing people. So it's... um, it's very hard to even describe what that looks like because we have nothing that you can compare it to in this, yeah. in this country. And I'm just trying to think, man, that must be so crazy when you get to a point like in 2018 where, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of figuring out you're in a festival and what time. You know you're doing well when you're going, oh, look, we don't want to clash with Guns N' Roses. I know, <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? Yes, yeah. That's, that's nuts. And, yeah. and it is. That, that tour, there was a whole bunch of, a bunch of those kind of moments where it was like, Whoa. don't want to clash with Guns N' Roses or you're going on right after Iron Maiden. You're like, blah, blah, blah. Holy All right. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, let's go to the same year, 2018. You came home and you played the River Stage. What was it like uh, doing, I guess that's a hometown gig for you guys, uh, Brisbane? Kind of. Yeah. That was insanely stressful. Yeah. So, that was, we sold the River Stage out. Yep. And that was one of three times when my voice was completely shot. It's always like, when your family are coming in. It. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And like I was, I was sitting there like having a complete anxiety attack. Didn't Shit. speak for two days before it. Oh. And I was just sitting there in the dressing room, counting down the minutes. And I had to, I had a meeting with everyone like an hour before we go on. And like I can't, I can't sing. I can't even move. Oh, like man. I can't make a noise. And they're like, it's all good. Just do it. We got it. It's fine. And I went out and. The show was insane, yeah. but I like I had to adjust my voice to sing in a like because my regular singing like voice my yeah. tone was, was blown. I had to change the tone slightly to re-engage, which was a massive. Like I had to think about every single sound that came out of my mouth that night, oh my and God. it was a huge challenge. But I was stoked that we got through it. So <sighs> like it was an amazing gig, but it was that was that was one of my stressful gigs of my entire life. Dude, because it's like, I'd imagine, like, especially with you and your voice, it's not like you're doing a covers set down at the pub with an acoustic guitar. You know, it's you, like, you, it's such an intense way of singing. It must, yeah, yeah I can't imagine how stressful that would have been. <laughs> That's cool. Hey, one more, hey, one more little game I'm going to play with you, dude. It's okay. So this is called On Triple M's Homegrown with Matteo. It's time for Uh oh, it's my party or dinner. Um, so it's called Right Party or Dinner. Okay, so you get to write a song with one of these acts. You get to either uh, party with one of these acts, or you've got to take one of these acts home for dinner with, oh. the, with the fam with the family. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. First act. Tame Impala. Second act. I guess it could be Neil Finn or the whole of Crowded House. And the third act. So you get to write uh, with one of those artists. You get to party oh with one God. of those artists, and you get to or either take one of those artists home for dinner. You've got a, you can take however long you need. Oh my God! All right. Um, 
I'll say yep. the exact order that it's, like, it's literally laid out. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. So we're riding a song with Kev. Yep. We're par- no, 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 no. Okay. no. Not partying. We're partying, partying with Kev? Yep. And who are, we, uh, yep. who are we riding a song with? We're riding a song with Kylie. Riding a song with Kylie? I like that. Yep. And we're partying with Crowded House? Yep. We're getting it. on the red wines with Crowded House? No, no, no. We're taking Crowded House home. Oh, we're, we're taking, taking Crowded, Crowded House home. home. <laughs> <laughs> or we could just party with everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. cool, man. We're, hey, thanks so much for taking time out. I know we've gone a little bit over, man, but it's a pleasure to meet oh, you, to, to, to chat about your band. It's awesome, man. Next time you're Melbourne. Please come in and do a co-host, pick some songs. I'd absolutely love that. Oh, yeah, but, for sure. But it's, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure, man. So thanks so much, Winston. Likewise. Cheers, Matty.